Vicious cows. Summon the cows. <laughs> Summon the cows. Hello, everyone. Oh, cows. I'm glad I timed that well just to come up with you were thinking. Hello. Yeah. So, how are we today? Are we ready to uncover more of the mysteries of Mesro? Oh, Maybe. <laughs> because, of course, last week you set foot inside the lost city of Mesro, hoping to find clues or leads that may help you find out more about the source of the death curse and where you can find the soulmonger and how to stop it. But when you entered the city, you found that uh, someone had already laid claim to it. Uh, an order of conquest paladins, calling themselves the Metal Sabatons. They seemed to be willing to negotiate with you. Perhaps they were going to bully you into performing some task. But upon uh, learning that they had apparently killed members of Ava's tribe, you decided you did not wish to negotiate, and you fought their leader, Lieutenant Broken Barrel, to the death. This effectively decapitated the leadership of the Order, and we ended... Yes, yes, literally. <laughs> and we ended last session with the Metal Sabatons swallowing their pride and fleeing out into the swamp and the city of Mesbro itself, leaving their, uh, their shantytown settlement of promise entirely in your hands. And so, here we are. You have had a long rest in Broken... I was going to say, before yes, we had yes. the long rest, should we have uh, saved the prisoners that were still in those cages? Well, you didn't think to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> well, oops. That Hopefully didn't... it was only one that got drowned. Yeah, that didn't quite occur to you uh, during the chaos of the battle. And of course, I, mean, I could do that during my long rest. During the long rest. Yes. Well, would you like to? Would you like I to attend sleep. to that during your long rest? Well, you would be sacrificing your long rest, wouldn't you? Well, it doesn't need sleep for a long rest. As long as she's only doing like, uh, yes, like yeah. minimal stuff. Light activity. <laughs> yeah, light activity. So you know, quick conversation here, maybe pulling a switch, then go back to reading. So, Bobbit, while everyone you and else. You're no sleep. Plus, <laughs> no the fact sleep. that uh, I. Zinhorn uh, is elf, so only needs four hours for. Yeah, he just meditates for four yeah. hours. So, while everyone else is uh, getting ready to bed down in Broken Barrel's hut and Zinhorn's getting ready to meditate, uh, Bobbit, you decide to stroll out the front and walk to the edge of what remains of the wooden walkway leading up to Broken Barrel's hut to see if you can catch sight of those prisoners. Sure enough, the cages are still there. Ah, and yes, I should give you guys the owlbear link. Thank you, Kitty. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting ah, something. Yeah, that might actually... Whoops. Even though at the <laughs> yeah, moment there's no real need to it. Um, here it is. Um, well, they have it, they not need it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and sure enough, the three cages are still there. One of them, the one that you remember containing the, uh, the, the wiry, rat-faced human, is currently submerged in the swamp water, and 
you can see uh, bobbing around at the surface of the water uh, the cloth of the back of the man's tunic. He's currently face down, floating in the water, and unfortunately oh, yeah. appears to have drowned. Mm. However, the other two, the other two prisoners, the uh, female halfling and the male half elf, are still seated. Are still sitting there in their cages. Their faces uh, pale with terror and anticipation as their gaze slowly turns from the submerged cage to you. The male half-elf silently lets his lip drop and he raises one of his hands and stammers friendly I hope! Well, a lot more friendly than the last people, I assure you. We'll go and... Well, I suppose I'll go and uh, work out how to uh, get them out of the cages, I guess. I'd like you to make an investigation check, please, Bobbit. Yeah, I can certainly do. Investigation... Uh, 15. You notice that the same pulley that was used... that is used to submerge the cages into the water can also be used to slide them along a chain until they are level with the walkway. This is how you would, uh, this is how the paladins would have added people to the cage or removed them if need be. So who would you like to release first? Um, doesn't really bother me either way, I'll, um... Because the halfling can go first. We'll yep, go from you there. walk over to the lever and you turn the small wheel on the side of it, and the chains creak. The, the, the chains tinkle, and the wooden stilted hut creaks as the as you as you move the cage from the crevice until it's hanging above the. A walkway, the female halfling within simply grasps the bars and stands still watching you, not saying anything. Her blue eyes wide, beaming with fear. Please make a thieves' tools check to unlock the cage. Okay, come on, come on. And eighteen. Eighteen. The lock on the cage is not particularly strong, and it, you're able to open it without little effort. The cage creaks as you open it, and the halfling immediately jumps down onto the scorched walkway. She brushes her blonde hair out of her face, and she looks up at you and says, You're not going to kill us? Mm, unless you're with the paladins, no, of course not. She says, no, no, simple adventurers, <laughs> nothing more. Just sort of stares up a second and went, you didn't kill any of the bird people here, did you? She looks up at you and she says, they didn't even know there was bird people here. We were just... Well, well, <laughs> she says, we were just looking for treasures. Fair enough, that'll work. And with that... Quickly unlock the other cage, letting the half elf out. 
both of these quote-unquote adventurers stand before you. They don't look like adventurers. They're, they've been stripped down to their underwear. Uh, they don't have any weapons or armor. And they look like they haven't eaten in a fair few days. In addition, you notice the half-elf skin is pockmarked with very putrid white purplish rashes very similar to mm. Sir Lucian's. Wait, as in like the death plane? Yeah, they seem to be else? the death, they seem to be rashes of the death curse. Ah, uh, yeah, you've already died before, haven't you? He says, I, he says, run afoul of it, run afoul of some caps and spiders in the forest on the way here. Hmm. Well then, this isn't a good time for you, it seems. He says, aye. We went back to Port Nianzaru to find out what had become of me, get some medical assistance, found out about this death curse, and put our ear to the ground and heard about the library of Mesror. That's why we were here. Hmm. That's a fun coincidence, so we. We just happened to, uh run afoul of these lovely people, but as you can see, our, uh, our luck was a little bit better with this slot. The halfling looks towards her companion, and there's then to you, and then to the cage that's still submerged in the water, and she says, Well, unfortunately, as we seem to have lost our rogue, I don't think we'll be doing uh, much adventure in Mesro. Uh, so, we very much appreciate the help. Now it's like nothing more than to simply locate our belongings and get out of here, make our way back to civilization and hopefully wait this whole death curse thing out. That would probably be for the best. I, mean, I wish I had some way to help you with that, but... Mm, I think, is there anything we can even do to help, to help these people or just let them take their belongings and go? Well, what do you think? Do you think there's anything you could offer to them in terms of help? Mm. We could potentially offer them a temporary refuge. Yes, uh, they mm. may have seen more of the city before they were captured than you have. Mm. That is true. That is true. And when you say refuge, you mean with, like, Ada's tribe or just mm -hmm. with... Hmm. Yeah, you could that leave them with Ada's right. tribe, you could... So, I'll just yeah, I'll the... I'll just want to be on their best behavior. Otherwise, I'll slit yeah. their throats. <laughs> and with that, oh, no, Bobbin, no, please make a persuasion check. Oh, I like those. Because you're kind of explaining that yeah, you can offer them a place of refuge, a place to hide out, so they don't have to make the journey back through the jungle on their own, but as you say this, Ava just sort of leans out of the doorway of the hut, blood still dripping from her sword, <laughs> oh, and God. ominously intones, if they don't behave themselves, she will decapitate them herself. Um, well, Bobbit's clearly being a vision of politeness, because that was a 17, even with it's the, 17. Uh, <laughs> even with Ava threatening death. They both look up at Ava, looking somewhat nervous, and then they look back at Bobbit, and the half-elf says, Ah, well, look, we don't plan on starting any fights, so, uh, we'll gladly take you up on your offer, so long as your uh, companion here is, uh, 
Will it not to decapitate us? Uh, she's fine as long as you don't go and mess with any of her clan mates. Honestly, I didn't even think she had this sort of thing in her. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, she's really good in a fight, but we've never actually seen her get angry. I'm honestly a little bit scared myself, but it's 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 fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> I hear enough. Fine. Says the she's half just a big scary mama bird. And as you gesture towards the walkway leading up to the hut, the half elf holds out his hand, and he says, "I, Duncan's me name." By trade, I'm a ranger, but as you can see, I am not much use without me equipment and uh, half starving from malnourishment. So he says Duncan, he just said Bobbit's eyes loud and going, Oh, that's a coincidence, my Ryan, my steed's name is Duncan. Though I had two ends, because otherwise the analogy wouldn't work and it wouldn't be nearly as clever. <laughs> you, he looks over at your steed and he just says... <laughs> Aye, just well, you certainly just, picked just up... Just like a metallic e in yeah. the background. <laughs> he, he takes a, a second to contemplate the contraption in front of him, watches as its gears were, and it just stares back at him. And then he scratches his head and he says, Oh, well, uh, in any case, you seem to have chosen a fight name for him. Hmm. And then he... And then he slowly makes his way up the walkway, avoiding the scorched parts, and cautiously enters the hut. His halfling companion simply nods as she walks past you, and she says, I, I be Shaban O'Forleaf Clover. Hmm. She says, Bard. And I can tell when I write down the tale of what happened here, I shall be uh, definitely embellishing some parts of it. Hey. I thought it was pretty cool. A little scary, but definitely cool. Well, I mean, I probably shouldn't have You, you should fill her in on, on what happened on I, the inside, and then hmm, she can... I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, have been... Shouldn't have been scared of anything. I was the demon at that point. But, you know, that's a minor, minor portion of the story. As you say this, she just pulls out a... A uh, so, half-soaked uh, scrap of parchment that she's hiding within her cloth tunic. And uses her fingernail to scratch out some part and mutters under her breath. Eh... Uh, Demon uh, not rescued us. Uh, fought alongside us. Yes, that sounds a bit more heroic, I think. Mm. And then she accompanies you into the hut. You seem nice. Once you've brought both of these prisoners into the hut, you quickly, you quickly uh, do your best to make them feel comfortable. And would you like to tell them? Would you all like to tell the story of? Uh, what happened on your side, how you entered the city, quickly encountered the paladins, and exactly what transpired here in Broken Barrel's hut. I mean, if they're interested. Hmm. Well, uh, Sh Shaban hmm. O Fourleaf Clover seems to be uh, definitely interested. As soon as she enters the hut, she immediately heads over to a broken barrel stone table and liberates some sheets of parchment and a quill and starts writing down the tale of what befell her and her adventuring party. 
Yes. I know, if, if, I was say, if, a cautionary to, tale. if someone else <laughs> wants to fill around the details, I'm gonna go and just sit with Mr. Stick for a little bit. Oh, Bob's <laughs> already asleep. Yeah, Bob's already yeah. asleep. So, Ava and Zinhorn will fill it, fill her in, I guess. And um, what would you? How would you like to spin this tale? Oh, this is your tale to spin, I think, Ava. That would be pretty straightforward about it. <laughs> Yes, Ava, you pretty much tell them a straightforward account of what happens, that you're on your way to your tribe, got accosted by the paladins, and were sort of forced to accompany them to promise, and you were willing to hear them out until you saw the trophy of an Arakukra's head on the wall, and that pretty much sealed their fate, and pretty much gave them everything you had. Uh, Bobbit with her demon transformation, Ava uh, unleashing all of her spells in a flurry of swords and before the uh, before the Paladin Order basically had a chance to organize a and mount a decent resistance against you, you had slain Broken Barrel and tossed her head out into the rest of the order, causing, prompting them to all immediately flee the settlement. Good time. Shaban just writes this down as Duncan nods silently in appreciation as Ava talks. And at the end of it, Shaban looks up and she says, uh, right, so more of a cautionary tale then. <laughs> well, it's, it's up to you to tell it however you wish. She says, well, uh, I, you know, I'd like to see our adventure and party making their way here. Shouldn't have been for naught. So I failed. Uh, I, I left out the part where, uh, you know, we spent the whole time sitting there in cages. And I wrote down that you shattered the locks that held us. And we all uh, drove the paladins from the settlements as a valiant effort. Fighting side by side. I hope you won't begrudge us uh, that little uh, embellishment there. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sleep at night. <laughs> she says, Well, then, thank you for rescuing us, and uh, tomorrow we shall accompany you to your place of uh, sanctuary and refuge. She then stretches loudly, yawns, and she says, But no! I think Duncan and I will relish the chance to sleep for the first time in about a ten day on a actual solid floor and not have to worry about the cage swinging and disturbing our sleep all night. And so you take their long rest and is there anything else any of you would like to do during the long rest? I'd kind of quickly like to talk to Mr. Stick, if that's okay with everyone else. Yep. Yep, sure. So you retire to Broken Barrel's bedroom with Mr. Stick and just prop yourself up on the end of Broken Barrel's bed, holding Mr. Stick in front of you. For a few moments, there is nothing but silence. Then you hear the familiar, smug yet malevolent voice in your mind. Yes? What is it? Well, hello to you too. It's been a while. Yes, Thanks. and I was enjoying the silence. 
Oh, well, that's no fun. I always like to check in on one of my friends. I just thought since, uh, well, for starters, you asked me to come to Mesro to seek you out and seek out answers, I just thought I'd let you know that we're here. Although, I get the feeling you probably already know that. He simply... He simply... gives you a... Hmm... an acknowledgement hmm. that says... Uh, I'm not sure what you intend to find, but I'm sure it will be interesting for you nonetheless. Still, that was no reason to disturb the peaceful silence. I figure you want something, young Robert, and you want my cooperation, so out with it. Fair enough, fair enough. I don't suppose you were watching uh, that fight earlier on? Or more ah. importantly, the... Uh, that particular ability I was allowed to use. Ah, yes. That transformation. That otherworldly guise that was granted to you by that Babal. Yes, yes. You got your end of the bargain. What of it? Well, well, I was granted only a few limited uses of said spell. I remember that there was technically no real deal about learning how to utilize the spell for my own ends. I don't suppose you'd be willing to help with that. Hmm... I see. Well, Bobbit, Alessander, I will tell you that... your desire to circumvent what was otherwise an agreed-upon deal interests me, intrigues me even. I assume what you are proposing is finding a way of circumventing the limitations placed on this spell, allowing you to call upon it permanently. Am I right? Something along those lines, yes. Well, as you may have puzzled together by now, I myself have had dealings with demons in the past, and mm. I happen to know quite a few ways around their somewhat chaotic, ill-enforced deals. Yes, fact you seem is, very eager to make a deal, especially the fact is that the new oils. That Babao seemed to be more opportunistic than anything, jumped at the chance to claim your soul, and didn't particularly uh, put a lot of thought into enforcing your end of the bargain. So, yes, I think if we were to pool our magical knowledge to Together, we might be able to find a way to have this gift permanently bestowed upon you. Hmm. Well, I'm sure I'm really happy to work something out between the two of us. He just <laughs> mutters appreciatively. Yes, yes, I'll devote a small portion of my spare time to it. Of course, hmm. in return... I will ask of you to do something for me. I assume that would be the case. He says, I won't reveal it as of now, but I have a feeling that uh, if you continue along your current path, fate will bring you exactly where I need you to be. And when we get there, I will ask of you a small trifle when the time hmm. comes, if you agree to perform that trifle 
now, then when the time comes, I will not brook any second thoughts. Do you understand, young Bobbit? I feel we have an understanding. Good. If you back out on your end of the bargain and do not perform the small trifle, then I shall return to spending my free time contemplating the mysteries of the universe and how I went so very, very wrong. Hmm. Do we have an agreement? I believe we do. Very well then. Let us lay some of the groundwork tonight, young Bobbit, if you would assist me in trying to understand exactly how this magical ability has been bestowed upon you and what fuels it exactly. Then, I will use that knowledge and, if you're lucky, find a way to allow you to make more permanent use of it. Let us begin. I would like you, Bobbit, to please make an Arcana check. It will be DC 20. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I don't suppose a 30 would work. That's a net 20. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, watch my luck go straight down the fucking yep, toilet well. after this, but I'll take this. Oh, I see everything and everyone. And so you spend the remainder of the night uh, sitting there with Mr. Stick, uh, thinking back to the deal you made with the bell, and trying to understand what exactly the source of this spell is, eventually determining that the spell seems to be granted and powered by the Babao's magic itself. In other words, every time you expend a use of this spell, it is the Babao who is paying the spell slot and providing you with the spell's effect. This seems to satisfy Mr. Stick, and he ensures you that he will devote a small measure of time contemplating how to get around this and grant you more permanent access to the Babao's magical power. Would anyone else like to accomplish anything during their long rest? Not really. Yep, and so, the next morning, as the sun rises and you awaken to the sounds of the swamp, the buzzing of insects, the bubbling of stale swamp water. You step out of Broken Barrel's hut to find the shanty town of Promise laid bare before you, completely silent, not a sign of life anywhere. As it should be. <laughs> From here, it's a simple matter to get back into Mesro. Unless you would like to search, uh, search the Settlement of Promise for anything that might be useful to you. It's entirely up to you. What, what would you like to do, uh, on this, on this promising new day? Pardon the pun. pun. <laughs> I would think looting would be tricky. Well, at least search the camp, see if there's anything left. 
Yeah, I mean, this is like treasure-wise, we don't know what's real. Yeah, and uh, you don't know what's yeah. real and what will disappear the moment That's you take it away. True. That said, there was a full paladin order, an entire mercenary company stationed here, so they would probably have, well, if not treasure, at the very least, they would have had an armory where they kept their armament and equipment, a place where they kept their provisions. Yeah, actually, I'd like to look for, for any fancy arrows. Yeah, yeah. Very well. I would like all of you to please make investigation checks. That's a seven. That is a sixteen. Sixteen. Investigation. Eleven. So the majority of the wooden huts, the built are built on stilts hanging above the swamp water, and they're nothing more than simple uh, wood and uh, wood and uh, thatched bark affairs, and contain nothing more than hammocks and beds for the members of the Metal Sabatons to rest. However, there are two buildings that seem that seem to be something slightly more. The first is what seems to be some sort of makeshift tavern. There's a crudely drawn uh, line drawing of a flagon of ale scratched above the door leading into the hut itself. And inside, uh, there, are there, there are crude tables and chairs scattered everywhere across a hut that's slightly larger than the others, and the entire back wall is uh, taken up almost entirely by uh, several large uh, barrels of uh, ale and wine and whiskey and stacks of crates containing uh, pr preserved rations and other foodstuffs. Ash is better! I'm going to like looking around going, there's not even a basement here, this place sucks. Yeah, there's no basement, <laughs> there's literally there's no just... Attic. Literally Where's just the plants room. Yeah, literally just chairs, tables, a makeshift bar, and all the stuff behind it. However, as you search through the uh, provisions behind the bar, you notice that uh, most of them appear to be only recently stocked, perhaps from a very recent supply shipment. And you may add another 10 days of supply lies to your total. Sweet. Is Someone taking notes of that? Or? Yes, this leaves you Ailers. with this leaves <laughs> you with 38 days of supplies so far. Okay, cool. Mm, and the other building of note is similarly to the tavern, a standard hut that seems to have been repurposed. This time there is a piece of parchment uh, stuck to the front wall with a rusty dagger, and someone has written the words General Store on it in very messy handwriting, and the word hmm. store is misspelled. S-T-A-W. Wow. craftsmanship. They could at least... You gotta make a store, make it work. Some some spelling would be fine. No, okay. 
would you like to check it out? Yes. As you enter, I would like all of you to make perception checks, please. This one I might be able to help with. Nope, uh, that's an eight. Uh, Twelve. Uh, fifteen. Perception. 17. What do your elf eyes see? As you... <laughs> as Zinhorn grabs the wooden door and pushes it open and it creaks, here, coming from inside the hut, a whispered gasp and an exclamation, <gasps> by the gods, and then the sound of hurried footsteps as somebody scrambles across the wooden floor to find a hiding place. Interesting. Interesting. Someone didn't get the message from last night. You step into the general store itself and find that much like the tavern, it's nothing more than uh, an empty hut with uh, three overturned crates stuck together to form a makeshift counter and then behind it a maze of scattered furniture uh, wooden cabinets chest of chests of drawers uh, barrels boxes and chests just scattered haphazardly uh, taking up the remainder of the area inside this hut you notice, as for light, uh, there is a single window, though someone has uh, pulled down a canvas blind to stop light coming in and illuminating the hut, the, meaning the entire hut is dim and lit, lit only enough so that you could just make out that there's a haphazard bundle of furniture and chests and crates behind the counter and everything... Unless you can see in the dark. Yeah. Like and me. me! And me. And me. I have goggles. <laughs> so close enough. <laughs> I'll give them a chance to come out and explain themselves. So would you like to make... Would you like to... <laughs> that was out? incredibly intimidating. That was indeed. They've been missing around here, folks. So you'd like to call out a greeting to them and let them know you're yes. giving them a chance to explain themselves? Mm -hmm. Yep. Reading is the optimal word here. Ava, please make an intimidate check. Uh, where's my intimidation? It is only a plus one. I got a three. <laughs> you got a three. You raise your sword and you say, Come out and explain yourself. Maybe, maybe I won't slit your throat. And you're greeted with silence. Not even the sound of someone scrambling for another hiding spot. Uh, I'll get my sword ready. I'm really shit with charisma, so me. Alright, I'll try. <laughs> Doing an intimidate wouldn't work. <laughs> well, I don't have intimidation. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, and goes, look. Forgive my friend, she's a little on edge after some lovely people went and killed one of her clanmates. If you come on out, we can at least try to be merciful. Make a Please? persuasion check with disadvantage, as Ava has already tried to entreat the obviously terrified person. Alright, that's a 16. 16. There is silence for a few moments, and then you hear a 
obviously very scared voice stammer out, uh, I'm just a shopkeeper. Are you with the uh, Order of the... Crap, what did they call Metal themselves? Sabaton. That's the one. You guys, you're not with the Sabatons? The voice, the person thinks for a moment and then says, Well, I'm a member of the Order, but all I do is man the shop. Then why didn't you leave? The voice stammers back, I'm no fighter! I perish in the jungle! I, I thought I would just hide here and that you would leave in the morning, but... To my horror, you've decided to loot the whole settlement! I mean, you left all this nice stuff for us. It seems rude to not take advantage of that. The voice stammers again well look you can take whatever you like just just promise you won't hurt me i was just looking at Ava at this point <laughs> uh i want to know if they're lying come out into the light so we can see you bold please make a persuasion check <laughs> Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a 17. Hey. It okay, helps if the okay. dice rolls high. Okay, okay, says the voice. I'm coming out now. And then, behind a massive crates and barrels, you see two, uh, two dark-skinned hands raise up into the air as if in a gesture of surrender. And then slowly... A very terrified-looking man wearing leather armor, uh, but with oh, no man. visible armament, steps out into the dim light. He's wearing armor, though. That's not a good sign for him. I want to inspect him. Make an insight check, please, Ava. Where is my insight? That is, um, 18 plus 4. 22. He just stands still as you walk up to him, size him, size him up, look him up and down, walk around him, poke and prod bits of his armour. A couple of times he gasps and makes a deep breath, but he doesn't move, and you get the impression that he seems to be genuinely terrified. He also seems to be no threat, as he does not appear to be carrying a weapon. What do you intend to do after you leave this place? He says, um, he says, I plan to camp out here in this settlement and live as long as I can until someone takes me back through the jungle. You're... A member of the Metal Sabatons, did you have to swear oaths to just be a member? He says I had to swear loyalty to the upper echelons, uh, that in the case of this particular chapter that that would be Broken Barrel, but uh, all those, all that jazz about conquest and no mercy, that, that that's reserved for the Paladins. Uh, no, so, no, uh, my duties were to be... No particular god. 
He says, no, 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 I'm an honest worshipper of Lathander. Nothing more. Lathander. Which god is that? That's uh, the do I know what god that is? Isn't you that can make a religion check. Ooh, I can do that. I has religion. Okay. I'll do a religion just to see if I know who it is as well. Uh, I mean, that's a net one. <laughs> Twenty. Twenty-five. So, Lathander, the morning god, the god of farmers and harvests, a god ah. worshipped by most simple folk. Okay, he likes the farming guy. You're not a paladin. Sorry. He says. He says no, 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 no. I, I'm sure I wear the armor of the order, but that's compulsory. It's a uniform. I. I keep the shop stocked, and I give, I, I, I fill out the requisition forms and send them to, send them out to request new shipments. I, I mean nobody any harm. Remove the armor and I will allow sanctuary. Fine, he says. He steps back, keeping his hands raised, and then he slowly unbuckles the armor, and once he takes it off, he tosses it forward onto the floor, far away from him, as if he's trying to throw it, throw it as far away from him as he can muster. Underneath, you see a pathetic man with, a pathetic man with wiry, wiry, thin arms and legs, who looks like he would struggle to even lift a sword. I... Pull Bobbit aside and say to her because she's going to need to be the one to talk to him about this because Bob can't speak worth shit. He's the supply master for this settlement. He would know where all the, uh, let's say, more useful items are, especially, and he would also know which ones are not going to drive us insane. Now, why don't we tell him that we're we're going to loot the place regardless of if he helps us or not? But why don't we tell him that he will be somewhat reimbursed if he tells us where the best stuff is, and save us the time of having to find it ourselves? Oh, I like that. I mean, you couldn't hurt. I mean. Worst case scenario, Mama Bird kills him anyway, so yeah, might as well. That is true. Very well. <laughs> Bobbit, please make a another persuasion check. Alright. It's a 14 this time. My best 14. work, but you know, I feel like this guy's not exactly hard to maneuver. The man looks from left to right and then his bottom lip trembles and he nervously raises a hand and says and I have your word that, that, that you let me live. Bob looks at Ava because that's honestly up to Ava. I was going to say Bob also looks at Ava. <laughs> well as long as you behave yourself in the village. He says he raises his hand, sighs a sigh of relief, and he says, Fine, thank the morning, Lord. I can tell you that all of the treasure was brought from within the ruins. As such, 
according to Broken Barrel, it'll do naught more than vanish the moment you take it out of the city. That said, there are some useful items that have been stocked here that were going to be used when the Order launched an attack against the Aracocra tribe. Hmm. Well, he, says if, he says if you would wait a moment, I could fetch them for you. I, I know exactly where they are buried amongst this mess. He gestures towards it. <laughs> Very well. And so uh. he gets to work, Ava escorting him, holding one of her short swords at his back as he slowly leads you through the uh, maze of crates, chests of drawers, uh, old, uh, old wooden cabinet, old wooden display cabinets and the like. And every now and then he stops up. Uh, Retrieves a key from the key ring in his pocket, unlocks a chest, retrieves something from within, uh, flips open the latch on a display cabinet and grabs something from inside, rifles through a crate and retrieves something. And after about 30 minutes, he holds out his hands and dumps a veritable treasure trove of items at Ava's feet. Good work. <laughs> I would like uh, one of you to please roll a d20. Uh, I will. Okay. I guess, because I came up with the idea. 18. 18. So, the first thing you notice in amongst the, this pile of goods is to... Uh, what, what appear to be two large, polished uh, white pebbles, each one with a picture of a of an open mouth, ostensibly yeah. talking, sending carved sending. into its surface. Yes, and Bobbit, you were sending stones before, haven't we? Well, yes, yes, you, yes, have, you then, have. In fact, you had a pair, and you lost them. Yes, when I got uh, evaporated. Yes. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Disintegration tends to do that to equipment bits. In addition, I would like Ava to please roll 2d6. Ooh. Okay. A three and a one. Three and a one, so four. In oh, addition, yeah. there is a small leather quiver containing four plus one arrows. Ooh. Ooh. And, in addition, six walloping arrows. Oh, I need a restock. The final objects of note in amongst this treasure trove are three, uh, are four crystal bottles. Three of them containing healing potions, and the fourth containing a slightly smoky, a slightly smoky coloured grey liquid. The healing potions you can immediately identify as three potions of greater healing. Nice. However, someone will probably need to examine the fourth potion to find out what it is. I'm good with potion stuff, but if it's magic, probably Bob it. Yeah, it'll be an arcana check. Oh, Bob it likes those. 
21. You dip your finger into the <laughs> potion bottle, putting a little bit on the end, and then you lift it up to your mouth and lick it, tasting the... Yep. I love that that's the, the uh, you know, for one person the most experience in Arcana. How do you test this potion? Well, oh, you lick it. it. You do it the safe way to... And mm. you taste... You taste something that tastes kind of like pepper. A very... A very... Weak, peppery flavour mixed in with mm. something creamy and undefinable. And you determine... Mm that this is a potion of gaseous form. Ooh. It is a rare potion, and when you drink it, you gain the effect of the gaseous form spell for one hour. You will transform into a misty cloud that has a, a flying... a giant fart. Yep. <laughs> into a giant fart, yes, that has a flying <laughs> speed of 10 feet and can enter and occupy the space of another creature. It has resistance to non-magical damage, advantage on strength, dexterity, and con saves, and can pass through small holes, narrow openings, and even near cracks, though it treats liquids as though they were solid surfaces. <laughs> you can't fall in this form, and you will remain hovering in the air even when stunned or otherwise incapacitated. However, while in the form of a misty cloud, you can't talk or manipulate objects. And you can't attack or cast spells. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Who wants this? Um. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who it would be best for. Hmm. Hmm. store for now. Yeah, fair hmm. enough. Finally, the the nervous shopkeeper uh, chuckles and he says, and. Uh, Lieutenant Broken Barrel was uh, planning to use uh, this to get into the Temple of Uptow, and he plonk, he slaps a wooden crate next to him with the palm of his hand. Oh. You open it up. <laughs> you, Dynamite. You open it up, <laughs> and inside, sure enough, you find a large supply of black powder. Uh, already divided into ten into ten cloth bags with strings coming out of the top to serve as makeshift fuses. Bobbit's eyes are absolutely well. Bo eyes are absolutely and utterly gleaming at this side of this. <laughs> but, huh? Oh, yeah, your your people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I let Bobbit take half. <laughs> Bobbit can take five. Who will take Actually, the other? No, Bobbit can take take most of it. I, I want to take two though. All right, you can take okay. two. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there, just just holding these bags. Going, yep. Did anyone else have use for black powder though? No, not at this stage. Well, they've already been set up to be used as bombs, so you can. Like, all you'd have to do is light the fuse and leave it, and it would blow up. But, um, Bobbit can actually reuse the black powder if she wants to, which is why Bobbit's interested. <laughs> I can always find a use for it. I'm, I'm giving it to. You might be able to use to, as, as defense. 
And then, with that, the shopkeeper takes a step back, and then he nervously bows, chuckles once again, and says, uh, that, that's everything, uh, now, uh, if you would kindly leave my store, and, 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 and allow me to live in peace? Oh, you wanted an escort out of, uh, the jungle, didn't you? He, his eyes, brows raise, he says, you would grant me such a kindness? We will come and stay with my people until we leave, and then we will take you. I'm good he with words. I'm not good with words. He smiles, and he okay. smiles, and he says, Well, such kindness you have shown. I, I will take you up on your offer. And know that I appreciate this ostensibly being your enemy and yet not only do you grant me mercy but a place to safely rest oh you'll be watched yeah just just uh, <laughs> don't go causing any mischief or try to contact your other people because otherwise that uh, that mercy will be very quickly rescinded he just wordlessly nods and then he shuffles past you out of the Wonderful. hut onto the walkway outside where uh, Duncan and Shaban are waiting. Before we walk out after him, I gather everyone and go, Was, uh, he obviously part of a group that we hate and will be hunting down whenever we find them. However, he mm -hmm. does just strike me as someone who found a place to work. That's why I haven't mm. murdered him. Yes. Hey, yeah, he probably <laughs> just needed the money. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's good. Um, what if we ask him what his supply lines are, and if he can be a supply base set in Mesro for us? Mm. So, essentially, you would kind of like to basically take basically, over this settlement and colonise it yourself and turn it into... Well, not really, but, like, hire him to be... Like, he stays here, we send word to him that we need supplies, uh, like, ten days out or something. He orders the supplies, gets them in, and sends them to us eventually. Kind of like our go-between, instead of having to send word straight to... Yeah, the merchant princess. Uh, port, port uh, the yeah, the merchant prince. That's it. Hmm. He can be kind of our go-between... We send word to him, he sends word to them. Yeah. Arranges and he, payment. And be, being Either that he seems to be a wholesaler. A yeah. Considering that he seems to be a wholesaler or a trader of some kind, he might be able to get you discounts on yeah, and bulk supplies as well. Yeah. While well, Bulk doesn't you. know much about money, he does Understand know a little trade. bit about supply train. Supply yeah. tra you supply routes and such. Um Bob's only learning how training works, but that definitely makes a lot of sense. And go you, you want a job? Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> he said he wants to, he just wants to survive. And well, hmm. uh, it's up to you. Like it's a group decision. It's just this way we do have a supply post further into the jungle. Yeah, it's entirely up to you. Makes sense. Mm, I can't see Seems like a good idea. 
As long as he doesn't get up to anything bad, I won't have to murder him. <laughs> so the idea that we're like about to leave and just pop a head back in going, oh yeah, by the way, you want a job? Well, uh, hopefully you won't have to murder him because I'm hoping that sometime soon I'm going to have an example of what will happen if he does betray us. Ooh. Ooh, nice. Doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> um, okay, so, Bol, would you like to bring this up to him? I would like to ask Bobbit if she could relay my plan to him. Going through Bobbit. Bobbit is the intermediary. <laughs> yeah, Bobbit's the intermediary. That's he's, fair enough. She's the face of the group, or the mouthpiece of the group. Yeah. <laughs> This is fine, we understand our place. Just, yeah, just everyone goes to walk out, Bobbit's head just pops back on the door and went, That's what oh, we yeah. should have done with Dan Cooper. <laughs> yes, well, unfortunately, he was a bit busy pissing in a wine bottle, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> True, but that charisma, though. Oh, yeah, that charisma would have been great had it been put to the right use, but we're not debating that here today. Mm. Yes. Very well. Yeah, well but, mm. um, so, Bobbit, would you like to ask him now, or would you like to bring that up later? when you're at the Royal Aviarians, your make your temporary companions are safe. Actually, that's probably a better idea bringing up the ones where like once they have some sanctuary. Or do we just bring it up on the trip over? There's a lot of options here. It's entirely Maybe up to make you. him feel safe in the sanctuary first and then offer him the job. Yeah, yeah he might yeah, be more yeah, amenable yeah, to more any proposals at that point. That makes sense, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, you make sure you have all of your equipment ready, you gather up all your gather up all of uh, your supplies, and climb the outer wall that borders the Settlement of Promise, descending back down into the waterlogged, maze-like city of Mesro. I take ten minutes to cast Water Walk on everyone. Ah, yes. <laughs> And so Avery is probably in a bit of a hurry to get to the Avery. So yeah, you're heading Avery. to the Royal Aviary and not the Temple of Uptown? Yeah. That's yeah, fair enough. Probably better to see them first. Will mm -hmm. you be relying on your guides to help find a way through the maze that is Mesro, or will you rely on Bobbit's vague memories? I mean, I feel like Ava would probably know a little bit more. Well, Ava usually I mean, just flies there. there. Yeah. She doesn't. Uh, why would her people didn't, don't go on foot? They just fly in and out. So. Uh, uh, do we want to work with guides on this one? Yeah. That if you well. want, if you want, Bobbit, you could attempt to uh, dredge up some old memories, and this would give your guide advantage on their check. Oh, yeah, I can always try. Please uh. do a history check with disadvantage. Okay. So it's 14 plus 7, so it's still 21. So as you once again enter the winding, weed-choked, soggy streets, you close your eyes and force your brain to dredge up anything it can from your subconscious and... Images flash in your mind, images of making your way through these same streets a long time ago, 
when they were his way downtown. Yeah, so. thank you, thank you. <laughs> when they were, <laughs> somebody had to do it. it was going to be yep. from <laughs> making your way down these same streets back when the city was functioning. The buildings gleaming, the, the buildings gleaming white in the sunlight. Throngs of people of all wearing clothing of all the colours of the rainbow, whooshing past you in a blur. And you manage to form in your mind a very basic layout of this quarter of the city and a vague direction from here to the Royal Aviary. Now, which guide would you like to use, Salida or Mujarid? Salida, I think. Salida will roll her survival check with advantage. Uh, I would like someone to please roll for her, and she gets a plus nine on her survival. I will be right back while you're doing that. I will roll. Yeah. Plus nine? Yep, plus nine. Okie dokie. That is... Oh, with advantage. Yes, with advantage. Because of Bobbit's directions. Uh, that is 13 plus nine. Selena... Salida's natural sense of direction complements Bobbit's foggy memories quite well, and you make swift progress through the agricultural court through the agricultural quarter of the city. By the time you reach the edge of the quarter, the sun is high in the blue sky above, signalling the oncoming of the afternoon. I would like one of you to please roll a d20. Sure. Uh, actually, no. Smithy, you can roll something. You haven't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I just rolled one, so... <laughs> uh, that's a 19. It's a 19. Very well. A once majestic amphitheatre towers over the surrounding buildings here. Life-sized statues of dinosaurs decorate its walls and canvas canopies hang limply above its grandstands. Swamp water surrounds the building on all sides. And as you approach, you see four humanoid figures. Cloaks pulled down over their faces. Entering weapon ready. Entering... (laughs) The, entering the amphitheatre after climbing out, climbing off a makeshift raft that they've used to get across the swamp water. And Bulb go into stealth? Bulb can go into stealth. Bulb, please make a stealth check. Fuck. Uh, what is my stealth now that I have efficiency plus six? That's an 11. It's an 11. Okay, Bulb, you think you are well hidden. You break off from the rest of the party. Uh, I had stealthy bird. Move off the main cobble. And I'm move not going to bring you're not tricking anybody. Move off the main cobblestone street and begin to make your way down an alleyway between two buildings towards the amphitheatre in the distance. What would the rest of you like to do? Uh, depends. What did I just miss? So, you've stumbled across uh, an amphitheatre, um, surrounded by swamp water, and you've just seen three cloaked figures enter. 
the amphitheater from a raft that they've used to get across the water. Hmm. And because I went into like, Because of the dinosaurs, I'm wondering if this is like an underground cockfight type situation, but with races. Maybe. With my passive wisdom perception of 17, do I notice anything with that? So I... uh, yes, you do. Uh, you catch a glimpse under one of the hoods of the figures as they enter the as they enter the amphitheater, and despite the fact that all th- that all of the figures are humanoid, you swear that underneath the hood of the cloak you see a very serpentine-looking face. Ask Salida. Ah. I want to ask Salida if if she knows. Because yeah. yeah. uh, because I'm. I don't know, they sound kind of like her anyway. Like the way that we met her, so... Mm. She... So you'd like to ask her what she thinks? What she thinks, yeah. What do you make of this? She raises her hand to her head and and squints her eyes, trying to catch... Trying to catch sight of the figures again, and then she shakes her head and she said... She says, I didn't see enough of them. It's possible there could be UNT here? I cannot think why the Queen would have sent them to Mesro in either case. That amphitheatre is the most direct route between here and the Royal Quarter, where we need to go. Still slightly dubious after the uh, interaction with the other nine bites. Okay. So would you like to approach the amphitheatre, or would you like to try and find another way through the city and bypass it entirely? Mm. Um, maybe ask if she knows of any other way. She says, yes, there are other ways, of course. We need... we, we, we would simply need only turn back the way we came and head through the other side of the agricultural district. Of course, this would add several hours to our journey. She says, like I said, according to my, sen- according to, uh, my sense of direction and uh, Lady Bobbitt's uh, questionable knowledge of this city, the amphitheatre appears to be the most direct way. Mm. I want to remind her that if she betrays us, I will slit her throat. Yeah, Bullet is just happily in the background going, mm hmm. Because, yeah, still, still definitely have that minor threat for her from the other nine. Yes. Okay, so what would you like to do? Approach the amphitheatre? <sighs> now, you do have water walking cast on you, so you don't need to swim, so this does give you some opportunities to maybe attempt to. Uh, Approach stealthily, or something, or, or find an alternate entrance. I'd like to play, maybe, and look for an alternate entrance. Sure. Wait, no, that would be from the sky, and no one else would be able to get in. Never mind. Well, you'd be able to get in, and you'd be able to tell what's inside. I'd be able to give you a sending stone. You could scout true. for us. True, true, true. Give me sending stone. Give. Yeah. <laughs> Right, okay. cool. You hand a sending stone to Ava. Ava, 
You step out onto the surface of the swamp water and then you spread your wings. Please make an acrobatics check with advantage to make your way up to the top of the amphitheater to see if you can find a way in. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Acrobatics? Yes, with advantage. Okay, that is uh, 18 all up. You fly up to the very top of the amphitheatre's outer wall and perch on the edge of it between two life-size Tyrannosaurus statues. (laughs) And from here, you take a look around and you notice that... There are several large holes in the canvas canopies that hang limply above the grandstands, and you would be quite—it would be quite easy for you to simply make your way through one of these holes into the amphitheater. I would like to s- approach cautiously and stealthily. <laughs> yep. Make a stealth check, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, where is my stealth? Uh, that is, uh, 15. Wait, no. I'm an idiot and can't do math. 18, all up. Wait, no. 17! There we go. Oh my god! You creep towards... You creep towards the nearest hole, and then you fold your wings together, and deftly leap through it, landing... Landing amongst the seats of an abandoned grandstand, looking down into the amphitheatre proper. From here, you can see four creatures. I would like you to make a perception check, please, with advantage as you... I just nat 20. Nat 20, yep. I'll do it. You see what appear to be four yuan tea. They have the bodies of humans, but the heads of snakes, their forked tongues darting in and out between their lips and tasting the air. They walk slowly through the amphitheatre, and then one of them, who appears to be the leader, as he's wearing a differently coloured cloak, points to the opposite end to the gra- points to the opposite end of the grandstand, the opposite end of the grandstands from you. And hisses something in URT language. His three companions spread out and begin searching amongst the rubble underneath the grandstand. I would like to relay. Who's got the sending stone? The other sending stone. Um, just the group in general has it. Okay, I would like to relay the information to the group saying that they seem to be looking for something. Hmm. Um, can, can Ava make out anything else? Um, not from here, just that they do appear to be looking for something, and one of them appears to be the leader of the other three. Okay, and I can't understand their language, so... No. Wait, what um, do they speak? Do they, they speak s- Yorante? They speak Draconic. Do you speak Draconic? I do not. Yes, unfortunately. If you can hear what they're saying and repeat it to me word for word, I can speak it for you. Yeah, but that would be very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could try it. 
but if you don't okay. understand the language, you're just, you know, mimicking the sound. You just literally, yeah, you literally just get hit. It's quite like trying to mimic parcel tongue when you're not a parcel tongue. It's just to hit random generic hissing noises. I want to do it for the lols. I was going to say, I didn't work once for Ron, but that took like five years to learn. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, so what would you like to do? Uh... Uh, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say I'd like to look at the Salir and just go. Hey, you have people interested in this place for some reason. She looks what would they be back at. For? She looks back at you, thinks for a moment, and then she shrugs and she says, "Mesro's a city of many wonders. The Queen could have sent them to search for texts, <laughs> texts about Dendar the Night Serpent, for example." No, I didn't understand. In an amphitheater? That would, yeah. What? Uh, how? Library. How? Uh, what standing are you currently in with your people? She, she looks at you and she says, "Hmm. Well, I'm a pure blood, which means I'm already at the bottom of the totem pole. And let us just say it's been quite some time since I have visited my brethren." Pure bloods at the bottom of the totem pole? Yes. Because oh, they're, the, okay. they're the least snake like. Oh. Interesting. That's uh, okay, so we can't just walk past and if they confront us, have her talk her, talk away out of it. Yeah, no, they um, wouldn't be interested in hearing what she had to say. Ava, oh. I'd like you to make another perception check, please. That is... 12. You notice that the yuan seem to have finished searching the debris in the grandstands opposite you. Their leader points uh, towards the next grandstand and barks another order. <laughs> the three other yuan draw scimitars from under their cloaks and begin searching this new area. So they're looking for someone. What Ooh, if they're looking for her? Maybe they're looking for paladins. That could be. They could be looking for paladins. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Difficult. Difficult times. Well, if we get into a battle, do you think we could take them on? Ah, uh, yeah, you probably them, right? could. There's only four of them. Yeah, numbers don't usually don't guarantee victory, though. Well, Ava, yeah. could you attempt a nature check? Nature. That is uh, 17 plus 6. You watch the URT for a few moments, and based on their serpentine heads on humanoid bodies, you believe that they may be the breed of Yuan-Ti known as Yuan-Ti Malisons, the true Yuan-Ti, a rung or two above Salida, and known to be reasonably formidable opponents, at least compared uh, to their pure blood counterparts. 
is a concern. Um, I'd like to relay that information and see... I want the others to see how uh, Salida reacts. Very well. Uh, I would like everyone who is not Ava to make a perception check, please. Well, just is clearly my dirt. It's another nat 20. <laughs> I got a 16. Bobbit is clearly not entirely trusted. So there is just staring daggers. Uh, 23. So, as Ava relays this information, you all notice that Salida's eyes, for just a split second, grow wide in recognition. But she quickly composes herself and her face goes neutral again. Do what you will. Clearly this is not a good thing. Friends of so not friends of yours. She looks at you and says Hmm. Let's just say that Let's just say that I might not be on the best of terms with the rest of my people right now. Oh dear. Would she still advise going this way? Would you like to ask that to her? Yeah, pretty much. She thinks for a moment and she says, it is the most direct way and I still advise we head through there. You auntie Mallisons are tough, but I don't think they've ever taken on any party like yours before. Are we being too cautious? I think so. Okay, come which on, let's, let's go. Which, considering how we went last week, is <laughs> like 180 for us. Like, last week we were like, murder everything without hesitation. <laughs> I don't know, maybe we should consider all our options before we decide. <laughs> <clears throat> so how do you want to do it? Stealthily, stealthily approach, or just charge straight in and surprise them by, and just set upon them? Or try um... to talk to them? I'll stealthily just try to walk. Just, just try to avoid uh, them. I guess. Keep on, keep on our path, and yep. Like, if we continue on our path, are we gonna run like smack dab into them? Like, yes, you'll have to pass through the amphitheater. Amphitheater. Yeah. Okay. So, how deep is the water? Do we like? Is it like just showers, or is it? It's maybe about five to ten feet deep, but because you have water walking, you can just walk on the surface. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Oh yeah, because they can't, they can't walk on the surface of the water. No, they, they used a raft to get across the water. So, technically speaking, yeah, we don't necessarily... We'll just run. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we don't necessarily have to Yeah, if you need to run away, then you can just run on the water. They... yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Alright, well... Works for me. Very well. You slowly make your way across the surface of the water and keeping your hands on your weapons, walk past the raft that still bobs in the sickening looking drink, and make your way into the amphitheatre. As soon as you step through the amphitheatre doors, 
you hear the leader of the Yuan Ti bark out an order. <laughs> All the Yuan Ti whip around to face you, bearing their scimitars. I would like everyone to roll for initiative, please. Certainly, not even gonna get the chance to say, "Hold on, let's talk for a minute." Just it appears that nope. they—it's almost as if they were waiting for you. Um, I'm guessing I'm attacking from above. From yes, and you get a surprise round because they don't know you're there. Uh, seven for Bulb. Seven for Bulb. Uh, Twenty-one. Twenty-one for, for Zinhorn. Four for Bobbit. Wow. No, no, no. I only got a 13. No, I rolled a basic 12. A 12, 12 for and 13 for Kitty. Okay. Alright. Um, I will grab the music and switch to the correct map. Yeah, no, it, you're surprised with how quickly they reach for their weapons and dash towards you. They're not even interested in talking. And they're not... Yeah, they. Never. They don't that even seem to be they taken rely by surprise. On smell, not hearing. You don't know. Mm. Would would Jane know from knowing what they are? You know I that think... as they're snakes, they can detect heat, but you don't know if this is their primary way of uh, detecting prey. So sorry, this is not an amphitheater. It's just the only Mesro map I have. So Ava will go over here. Okay, Ava, you're up first. You have the surprise round. Um, I can't even talk to him because we don't speak the same language. No. Yeah, Bob's technically the only one that could talk to them if they want. And would you like to. either of your guides to be involved in this battle, or would you like them to just hide? Uh, make Salida hide. Make Salida yeah, hide, yep. Probably the first, probably for the first. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you don't even need to tell her, because as soon as she sees the Yuan Ti reach for their weapons, she ducks <laughs> underneath a piece of... Yeah, she, she, she just <laughs> dashes good. away and ducks behind a piece of debris. Would you like Majarum <laughs> to take part in the fight? I feel like he'd be insulted if we didn't ask him. <laughs> so he's in there. Alright. <laughs> um... Alright, so I get my surprise attack. Yes, you do. Um, so I want to use Hunter's Mark. Yep, on which enemy? The leader. The Yuan Ti Warlock, very well. Hunter's Mark has been placed on him. Dang Warlocks. And I will go... Uh, I'll fire an arrow of... Uh, Walking. At the Yoanti Warnlock, go ahead. Roll to hit. Okie dokie. With, uh, with advantage because I'm in yes, the air? Yes, you're up high, yes. Thank fuck. <laughs> um, 19 plus 8. <laughs> Ooh, that's definitely a hit. Roll for damage. Uh, where is my d8? There it is. Uh, that is... 10? 10, 10 points of damage, plus your Hunter's Mark oh, and your Psychic Damage. Yeah, so plus a, a D4, so that's 2, yep. and then my Hunter's Mark... What was my Hunter's Mark again? Uh, it's 1D6. You're on D8, 1 yes. 1D6. No, it's a D6. No, it's D8, yeah, yeah. 
Wait, what is... <laughs> no, confused. Alright, I'm Yeah, I think it's a D8, I'm just gonna check. No, because you leveled up, I think it's a D8. Yeah, I think so. Mm. No, uh, I'm just mark. Uh... Oh, Hunter's, Hunter's mark. mark it's 1D6. 1D6. Um, yeah, it's just 1D6. It never goes okay. up. Okay. Yeah, because it's a spell. Um, so that was a four. That was a four, lovely. And he's not prone. Yes, he fails his strength save, and he falls prone. And as he does, the other three Yuan T will make perception checks. And one of those three passed, they turn in your direction, point at you, and hiss. <laughs> they now know where you are. Okay, we Yuan move on. Yuan T know where you are. <laughs> yep. No regrets. It is now the first Proper rounds of combat, and Zinhorn, you are up first. Um, well, to kick things off, I am going to go for an ice knife on uh, number two. Yep. Ooh, good thinking. You want Team number two? Yep. Roll to hit. That is a uh, 23. 23. That is a hit. Roll for damage. 1d10. That's a d10 there. Uh, five points of damage. The ice knife flies through the amphitheatre, hits Yuan T. Malice at two in his chest, and then shatters, dealing an additional five points of damage to Yuan T. Malice at number one. Would you like to move anywhere? Uh, yeah, sort of behind the, shelf, the, the corner a little bit. Yep, behind here. Lovely. You run and hide behind one of the nearby grandstands. It is now... Uh, let me see... It is now... Uh, oh, the enemy's turn. Okay. The yuan Warlock uses... Actually, he's still prone. Um, so he will... While he is prone... He is going to attempt to cast Crown of Madness on Sir Lucian. Does he have disadvantage? No, it's got. No, he doesn't no. roll. No. This is a, no, uh, Sir Lucian fails his wisdom save. Oh God damn it! And you see a go. twisted crown of jagged iron appear on his head in a madness. A madness. A bloodlust glow in his eyes. And then it uses the rest of its movement to climb up from being it has thrown. No move. Oh, okay. And ends its <laughs> turn. Well, it can't move unless it uses its movement to get up, so he's. Well, yeah. Mission's gone mental. That's just dandy. Yuan T. Mallison one's turn. It runs forward about 20 feet, raises its longbow and fires up at Ava with disadvantage. And that is a 17. It hits. 
Ava, you take four points of piercing damage plus seven points of poison damage. Double how dare. It is Yuan T. Malison 2's turn. It rushes forwards near Yuan T. Malison 1, raises its longbow and attempts to fire at Zinhorn. That will be a 13 to hit. Zinhorn ducks as the arrow flies over his head and embeds itself into the stone wall. Yarn Team Malicet 3 rushes forwards until it is parallel with the other two, and then it casts. It casts Suggestion on Bobbit. Bobbit, please make a Wisdom save. Uh, why am I making a Wisdom save for my power? Ah, uh, the Yuan-T number three is casting Suggestion on you. Oh, fine. Um, that's a 19. A 19. That is a pass. All you hear is the Yuan-T hissing at you. <laughs> You can't quite understand what suggestion <laughs> it's trying to give. Sorry, don't speak snake. Can learn later. Probably should have used comprehend languages. It is now Sir Lucian's turn. Ah, oh, crud. Sir Lucian grunts. He raises his longsword in both hands and strikes at Bobbit with it. But, oh, Bobbit will remember this. <laughs> and that is... A 21 to hit, non nat. Yeah, okay. Bobbit, you take 11 points of slashing damage, Bobbit. And, <laughs> and also, Sir Lucian is going to spend a superiority die to use goading attack on you. So now I can only attack him. Yeah, anyone else will be with, will be with disadvantage. So <laughs> that is an additional 4 points of damage. And now, if you attempt to attack anyone who's not Sir Lucian, it will be with disadvantage. The sad thing is, if there had been anyone else in the party, I might have felt bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is Veska's turn. She fires a ray of frost at Sir Lucian, but misses. Thanks. It's Mujarib's turn. He swings at Sir Lucian with his hand axe, shouting, Rah! He hits Sir Lucian for four points of damage. It is now Ava's turn. Um, I don't want to go for Sir Lucian. I could I could knock him prone though. You could try to hit. You could either knock him prone or you could try to hit the wall. Maybe break yeah. his concentration. Fuck it, I'll hit the warlock. Alright, go ahead, roll to hit. Um, wait. How far away am I? Uh, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50 feet. Perfect. I have 50 feet in the air. I'm going to go up and uh, hit him with my swords. Alright. You swoop down towards the Yuan-Ti Warlock just as he's picking himself up from the floor and you brandish your swords. Roll to hit him. I'll be doing all three attacks. Go ahead. Alright. 
first one is uh, non-nat 20. That's a hit. Uh, so what have we got? We've got swords. So those are d6s. Yep, plus another d6 for your hunter's mark. Yep, so we've got uh, 1d6 plus 5, so... 9 for that, plus yep. 1d4, uh, that's 3. 3, so 12, he's making his yep. concentration check. Plus, another, plus the other d6 for Hunter's Mark. Ah, yes, yep. Which was a 6. A 6, okay, so let me see. He fails his concentration save, and so Lucian just... Hey, lets his sword hang down on his side, breathing heavily as he as he looks around, trying to understand what just happened. <laughs> okay, and now I'll do the other two attacks. Yep, go ahead. So we've got the offhand now. Um, yep. That is 14 plus 7, math. That is a hit. Roll for damage. Uh, 1d6. That was 5 for that. 5, yep. Plus the other d6, which was a 6. Yep, so 11, and your final attack. Yep. Uh, that was 14 plus 8. 14 plus 8, that is a hit. Roll for damage. Yep, uh, that is 8 uh, plus the other d6. Yep. Was another 6. Lovely. Okay. It is now Zinhorn's turn. Alright. Um, so... Zinhorn went first. Well, it goes Ooh, Ava, bombs. Zinhorn, enemies, Sir yeah. Lucian... I don't Vest have Mogo. Oh, Bulb. Yeah, sorry. Bulb's turn. When did Bulb get it? When's Bulb's turn? Uh, after Vesca and... Uh, actually, no, it's Bobbit's turn now. Wasn't she so. meant to be after? Yeah, after sorry. I, I kept thinking Ava's at the start of the order, and she's not. She's halfway through. So yeah, it's uh, Bobbit's turn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, sorry. Yeah. So it's um, confusing. Yeah. All right. Quick question of a problematic yep. sort. Am I still under the effects of the goading attack? Uh yes, you are. The goading well. attack. Yeah, the goading attack is in effect until Sir Lucian drops it, which he can't do till his uh, next turn. Okay, well, in that case, I'm going to have to cast the only spell I have that's not going to... Uh, you could ready an action until after Sir Lucian drops it. Yeah, yeah even that. Then okay, well, maybe I'll just ready an action to... um. No, fire off a spell... Well, fire off an attack once... Solution drops the goading attack. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's Bobbit's turn then. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Bulb, your turn. Okie dokie. I would like to call out in Draconic. Why did you immediately turn to attack us? One of the malisons, one of the malisons, turns towards you and hisses back, "Orders of the Queen, the Fellowship of Steel, are to die." Oh, well, then that makes this easy. I fly up, 
Um, fly onto a roof. Wait, so we're, not the we're not the fellowship of steel, though. But you are working for them. With, I mean, they're the one. They're your patrons on this quest. Ah, boo. <laughs> I would like to fly over here, so I'm on the downward slanting. Oh wait, yep. we're in a fucking coliseum. Yeah, but just pretend can... these are the, the map. The map takes precedence. So you can fly up. Okay. So I'd like to be here, so I'm just seeing over the edge of the uh, grandstand. Of the roof. Yep. And then I'm going to. Oh, pardon me. Cast conjure animals. Yep. And conjure eight, uh, hold on, these are quarters, so yeah, eight wolves. Yep. Um, and I want three of them to surround the warlock with Ava. Yep. Um, two to be around this warlock, so one here and one here. Yep. Um, and I want these ones to be flanking. Ah, to be flanking, yep, sure. Yep. Ah. Um, yeah, sorry, I know there's a lot of work. <laughs> so, wolf, 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 and then I'll put in another one up on the north part. Yep. Uh, I can also and then, put some in as well. Yeah, um, yeah, you can put uh, some in too if you like. Yeah, I'll help you. Uh, where's the... There's actually a wolf. A wolf there. Oh, ah, there. there. Okay. All there. DMs working together. Yay. <laughs> and a wolf there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. So. Okay. There's a howl as entire pack of wolves materializes out of thin, seemingly thin air, dashes into the middle of the amphitheater and surrounds the URT. Okay, uh, and they take their turn immediately after me. Yep. So that was my action. I don't think... Uh, Bobbit, how hurt were you? Maybe uh, down to, well, I lost about 15 health. So you're not looking overly hurt, just kind of fairly hurt? Stuffed up, but I'm not in, I'm not in trouble. Okay, well then I'll save my first level spell slots then. Uh, and yeah, try to stay out of sight. Uh, so now Wolf 1, 2, and 3 are all going to attack with advantage. Yep, and they do have advantage, so that is going to be three hits. So the Yuan T Yuan T Warlock takes seven, uh, nine, yeah, 2D4 plus two, so. 26 points of damage. It is looking severely hurt. Yep. Then uh, we'll, four, five, and six go in. Five and four are going to attack uh, number one. One and then six with advantage. Yep. Because they're within five feet of each other. Yep. And so that is two hits and one miss. So uh, uh, well, Malison number one. Six is going to attack two. Yep. Uh, well, you missed anyway, yep. so it doesn't matter. Malison one takes. Uh, let's see. Uh, 14 points of piercing damage, and then wolves 7 and 8 attack with advantage. Because they're within 5 feet of each other. And that is a miss and a hit. Yep. And Yuan Team Malison 3 takes 4 points of piercing damage. Yep. 
And um, I'm just going to write down all the hit points for the wolves, so you tell me yep. if wolves yep. get hit, and I'll keep track of that for you. Okay, it is now Zinhorn's turn. Alright, so... Kind of just having to readjust what I'm doing now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what I'm going to do... And I'm just going to draw this on there, just so that... Because I don't know how else to do it. Yep. Hold <laughs> um, the pointer. There we go, that'll work. Um, I am going to cast a wind wall. Ah, wind wall, yes. Along here. Yep. So it only gets the, the three it there. So goes number three, yep. And then it goes along here, and then back along this way here. So if they shoot any arrows or anything... They'll be caught they, in the... Um... They'll be caught in the... Like in the wind wall. So. Yep. Okay. So, uh, you cast wind wall. The gust picks up and a wall bisects the middle of the amphitheater. Uh, wolf five, Yuanti Mallison one, Yuanti Mallison two, Yuanti Mallison three, and Wolf seven must make strength saves right now, which I will do for them. Which the wolves don't have to do that. Oh, you, you're doing it to... Oh, so, so you're, so just the, oh, so you're just starting it here and going starting Just here doing and those ones and then across and then... Ah, so okay, yeah, no, they don't have to. Yep. That's, yep. I see what you're doing, yep. That's why I had to be very specific. <laughs> yeah. So that is a 7, a 22, and a 12. So the only... What's the... So 15 is the DC save. Yep, so number two passes, one and three do not. Go ahead and roll your 3d8. That is 10 points of damage. Ooh, 10 to one and three and five to Yuanti Malison two as they yep. leap out of the way of the wind. Okay, uh, would you like to move anywhere? I'm going to stay behind where I am for now. Yep, it is the enemy's turn. Okay, Yuan T. Warlock fires three Eldritch Blasts, one at each of the wolves surrounding it. And that is a nat 20, a 14, and a 16. So all three are hits. Okay, let me roll the damage. Pew, pew, pew! Three Eldritch Blasts fire out of its hands and all three wolves go down. They took oh. over 13 damage? Um, wolves have 11 HP. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. 11. Sorry, I was thinking your Panthers oh, have 13. Yep. So, and, yeah. So and one, this Yuanti Warlock gets plus three on its attack rolls for Eldritch Blasts, so... Oh yeah, that's... That... Yeah. Because it's Fine. got a couple just... of invocations. Um, yeah. Okay, but that's Already. it. It's ended its turn. Uh, Yuanti Mallison one attempts to fire his longbow at Zinhorn, and that is a twenty-three to hit. So Zinhorn, you take four points of piercing damage plus. 10 points of poison damage, so 14 altogether. Mm -hmm. Yuanti Mallison 2 makes a multi-attack, trying to hit Wolf 6. 
It hits both times and deals 14 points of damage with its scimitar, killing Wolf 6. Yuanti Malicid 3 makes a multi-attack, one on each of the wolves. Misses once, but hits Wolf 7 and deals... Right. So yep. the, the, if you shot an arrow at me, it automatically misses going through the... Wind oh wall. wait, yes it does. Sorry, I forgot about the wind wall. Yeah, no, you took no damage. It missed. Um, sorry about that. And he <laughs> deals six points of damage to Wolf Eight. Okay, it is Sir Lucian's turn. He's going to rush right up to the wind wall, and she's going to move right through it, and he's going to. Is it a drop goading? <laughs> He's going to drop his goading attack as a bonus action, <laughs> and then he's going to attack Yuanti Malison 2. He nat 20s and deals 16 points of damage to Yuanti Malison 2. It's suddenly because he's not here. Oh, shit. <laughs> it is Mujarib's turn. He roars, ah, rushes up to Yuanti Malison 3, rolls to hit with advantage because it's flanked by the wolves, and hits it for 8 points of piercing damage. Did Bobbit have an action prepared? Yes, oh, yeah, Bobbit, what was your one. prepared action? Well, I was basically just gonna fuck her. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Either a spell or fire off a shot. I'm kind of having issues at the moment because I'm basically standing in the dark at home because the power got <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, power went down. So, I'm, oh, um, no, I'm, yeah. My laptop's kind of useless, so I don't actually know what exactly yeah, you can't is going on. Yeah, map. Yeah, um, map's gone, Discord's gone, so either spell or I could just straight up fire a shot at these uh, lovely people. Someone's going to have to just point out where they are, because I do yep. not know. Uh, one, two, and three They're are in front all of directly in front of if, you. You can pick you... either one. Never right. talked at once, I missed all of that. They're all directly in front of you. You can pick either one, one, two, or three. Wait, all three of them? No one else? Yep, they're all... Oh, so Lucian and Mujara, but... And Bulb's wolves are in combat with them, but... Okay, so not burning hands then, damn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, So okay. there's a wind wall that goes across in front of you. Yes. Which will, which will stop any of your bullets getting through, but not ah. your spells. So how far away are they? They're within 60 uh, five, feet? 5, 10, 15... Yeah, they're, they're 25 feet away from you. Okay, is the main warlock guy alive, or is he... He is... Barely he's alive. Yeah, he's cool. Alive. In that case, in that case, I'm gonna cast Toll the Dead on the uh, on the leader. Yep. So, so could you make a Wisdom save, please? Yep, and he's within sixty feet of you. I'll make a Wisdom save for him. That is a five. Awesome. I will roll a one d twelve and see what he gets. That is a six points of necrotic damage. He hisses as he falls dead. <laughs> Ding dong, you're dead. Baby. And I look at him confused. It is Veska's <laughs> turn. She steps up next to Bobbit and she casts Magic Missile, sending one missile to each of the Malisons. And they each take five points of force damage. Okay, it is now uh, Ava's turn. Well, because uh, I didn't finish him off, my spell has ended. Yep. Uh, 
What was it? Hunter's mark. Yeah, it only yeah. it As only a bonus action you can move it only if you killed the only enemy. Oh, only if you yeah. killed. Right. I didn't realize yeah. that. That's, sorry. So works a little bit differently. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um. So I will just uh, fly up and smack. Uh, which one am I gonna flank? Number two seems to be the one that's most hurt right now. Alright, I'll go for two. Yep. Yeah. I'd like to say I'm sorry, I wasn't uh, aware of that feature. Yeah, but of the no, spell. that's it's kind of hard, okay. and it's also kind of hard with no maps, so. Um, yeah. Yep, so Ava, you roll with advantage to hit your Auntie Malison too. Yep. Uh, that is 14 plus 8. That is a hit, roll for damage. Uh, that was 11. 11, plus, nice. Plus a d4. Yep, plus a d4. Two. Yep, 2 for that one. Yep. 13. You're going to hit him again? Yep. Go ahead, roll to hit. I'll do my offhand. Yep. Uh, that was a nat 1. Nat 1. Alright, you still got your third attack. Yep. <laughs> and that was uh, 18 plus 8. That's a hit. Roll for damage. <laughs> Do I just hit? Um, that was uh, seven. Seven. And you slash forward, slicing off his serpentine head. It is now Bob's, uh, Bobbit's turn. His act, Bobbit's actual turn. Okay, it's Bobbit's actual turn. Yep. Um, Malice's one and damage. three are left. They've all taken damage, I assume. Yep, they've all taken damage. I mean, I'm enjoying the, the magic death. We'll happily sit behind the uh, wall of wind and do it and again. <laughs> Not till we're dead. Take your pick on who. Yep. All right. Number one, go ahead. I will make a wisdom save for him. That is going to be a seven. So I fail. Nope. That doesn't do it. And oh, poor buddy. He takes the full 12 points of damage as this lovely ominous Ooh. ring just as the, clamps here. As the bell tolls and echoes through the amphitheatre, Yuanti Mellison 1 drops to the floor, limp for a moment, but then slowly pulling himself back to his feet. It is oh, Bolt's yeah. turn. <laughs> I will... I will ready an action to fire my rifle at any Yuan-Ti that survives my wolves attacking them. Alright. Now it is your wolves' turn. Wolves yep. 5 and 4 attack. One of them hits Yuan-Ti Malison 1, who takes 10 points of damage, but is still alive. Fire your rifle. Okay. That's a miss, Star. That's a miss. Wolves nope. 7 and 8 attempt to hit Yuanti Malison 3. One of them hits. And Yuanti Malison 3 takes 5 points of damage. Okay, it is now Zinhorn's turn. So. Just going to keep it plain and simple. Going to go for a Frostbite. Yep. On uh, number one. Number one, go um, ahead. So it's a con save. 
It is a con save. That is a nine. I will go. Uh, it does not succeed, and I am built on five, so it's 2d6. Yep. That is five points of damage. Bitter cold wind blows through the arena, and Juanti Mellison 1 goes down. It is now the enemy's turn. Juanti Mellison 3 raises his longbow and fires at Bulb, who he can hit through the wind wall. Hoping to dispel all of Bulb's wolves if he hits him. And that is a 21 non-nat. Bulb, you take 8 points of piercing damage, plus 7 points of poison damage. So 14 altogether. And now it is Ava's turn. Is it? Yep. Alright, no, sorry, it's Sir Lucian's turn. Sir Lucian rushes forwards and rolls a nat 1 as he raises his sword. You hear him shout, Aah! As he slips on a banana peel and lands face first in the debris. Ah, it's back. <laughs> it is now Ava's turn. Oh god. Um. All right, I will go for number three. Very well. Move right up, and With he is flanked. By the looks yep. Of things. Because he is definitely <laughs> flanked. All right. Um. So with advantage. Uh, yep. That is 14 plus 8. That is definitely a hit. Yep, and we've got... Uh... 6. 6 uh, plus, plus... the d4, which is 2. 2. And yeah. just, like the, just like his friend before him, you lash out with your sword and lop off his snake head. That is, oh, the, that is the end of combat as the amphitheatre falls silent once again. Save for the sounds <laughs> of the swamp water outside. What fun. Salida <laughs> yes. creeps out of her hiding spot. She looks around, takes one look at the dead Malisons, and then she shrugs. She points to the door on the other, on the opposite end of the amphitheater and says, Well, you made it. Let's move on. You don't want to check the bodies? Me want to check the fellow, bodies. They're fellow, they're fellow warlocks. I'm sure they might have something fun on them. Yes, you oh, can if you like. I would like yeah, someone yeah. to make an, make an investigate check, please. Bobby. Okay. And that's a 19 plus 4. So okay. I'm assuming that's good. You find upon all four of them are scimitars, just standard standard scimitars. They don't appear to be in particularly good condition, but they also don't appear mm. to be in bad condition. Could fetch a few coins. Mm. The mm. only thing of note that Bobbit finds, however, is... Uh, on the warlock, a spell scroll folded up in the pocket of his cloak. <clears throat> and as you unroll okay. it, please make an arcana check. Yay. 27. 
It's a scroll of lightning bolt. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> with happy, 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 happy Bobbit, happy Bobbit's got a lightning bolt. With that, is there anything else you would like to do before you continue on to the Royal Aviary? We didn't find any orders on them or anything. No, it appears their orders were spoken to them, but not written down anywhere. Okay. Well then, I'm happy to move on. You're happy to move on? Leaving the Yuan T corpses where they are, you let Salida lead you out of the amphitheatre and back into the ruinous maze of Mesro. The walk to the Royal Avery is quite short and uneventful, and before you know it, you've made it. Uh, the twisting streets converge on a plain structure of white stone uh, built into the northernmost wall of the city. On its roof, a single silver spire points to the heavens. And on top of the silver spire is a grand statue of an eagle. I'm gonna. Uh, I want to run in and look for my people. <laughs> <laughs> Ava, you run forwards and you run forwards and notice that the iron gate is shut, presumably to keep out any members of the Metal Sabatons. There does not appear oh. to be anyone... There's not appear to be anyone waiting to uh, let you in. I'll call out in Aarakocra. Alright. You call out in Aarakocra. Please make a charisma check with advantage. Alright, that's a non-nat 20. You hear a flutter of wings from the other side of the gate, and then a pile of of old foliage, of palm tree leaves, tree branches, dead grass and the like, fashioned into some sort of nest, shift aside, revealing an eagle-headed aracocra on the other side wearing a green tunic. He raises his wing at you. You recognise him. This is Emberon Cole Scuttle. He was a rookie guard last time you were here, but he now appears to be the leader of your people's militia. As, upon him raising his wing, you hear more fluttering of wings and feathers and five other heavily armed Aarakocra step out of the shadows into plain view, lower their weapons, and salute you. Ava! shouts Ember on Cole Scuttle. You're back! Did you bring shinies? And he just runs to the iron gate. I showed them the shinies. You hold out your hands, showing him several of the treasures you found on your journey. His eyes twinkle. He turns his head around 180 degrees on the spot facing the other Aarakocra and he says, She's got shinies! Let her in! (laughs) 
one of the <laughs> other. Also, just looking at the guy. Are we the shinies or no? I have so much gold. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other Aracocra guards wraps his hands around an iron crank and begins to grunt with exertion as he turns it around and around and with a big iron creak the gate slowly raises granting you all access to the building proper emperon coal scuttle immediately bounces with joy runs up to ava and embraces her with both folding both of his wings around her body oh he looks big bad hugs still embracing ava he turns his head on the spot and looks at the rest of the party. He opens his beak and he shouts, And friends! You brought shinies and friends! <laughs> Aww. I like him. He seems fun. <laughs> I, I will reassure. Yes, we brought shinies and friends. <laughs> he says, Great! Great! The wise old <laughs> owl will be happy to see you! He Good, I have things to discuss with the wise old owl. He extricates himself from you, Ava. And then he gestures for you to follow him. But then as soon as he gestures for you to follow him, he raises a wing in the air and he says, Oh, oh, before I forgot, he turns his head 180 degrees so he's facing full. He says, uh, there are yeah. big bad meanies out there in the city. Uh, the, the, the metal, metal bootstraps or something like that. Uh, you didn't happen to meet any head. of them on your way here, did you? I, I, I dispatched of them efficiently, and I will show him the head. His eyes go wide as he sees the head, and he says, Ah! Ah! It's Father Leatherwing! You got him back! Ah, the wise old owl will be very happy indeed! Now yes, we'll please. finally- for proper- I, now we'll finally I, I, I be able to like the head yep. of the, I, I kind of thought like the head of the um, broken metal, but that works too. <laughs> now we'll finally be able to appoint a new oracle for the great mud jaw. Come, come! He excitedly gestures for you to follow him into the Avery. I shall follow. You lead the rest of the party through the gates and into the aviary as, as all the Aracocra guards silently watch you pass, some of them saluting you, the rest of them keeping their gaze on your companions, just silently judging them. The two prisoners and the shopkeeper look back at them and then you hear the shopkeeper nervously chuckle and he runs to catch up with you. The inside of the aviary itself has been re repurposed to serve as a makeshift village for your tribe. What in the past would have been a grand aviary with great gold, with great gilded cages hanging from the domed roof above the people who would walk below, have been repurposed into huts and homes for Aracocra. The outside, the golden outsides of the cages patched up with bark, leaves, sticks, and other bits of foliage, and flowers and flowers and coloured string hanging off the doors and windows to serve as decoration. 
all of the (laughs) all of the giant gilded cages and the enclosures that would have contained great birds of prey have since been turned into have since been turned into bark buildings and rooms for your people to live in (laughs) and do business in Bobbit's going to giggle at the irony of this situation. Yes, because Bobbit, <laughs> you have a vague memory in your head of visiting this place back when it was just a wide open dome shaped building with great golden cages <laughs> hanging from chains from the ceiling. Beautiful birds of all different colours watching you and other people as you walk <laughs> underneath them. Watched from both sides <laughs> by great birds of prey and flightless fowl watching from the long enclosures all of which have now been turned into makeshift huts and places of business for Ava's tribe (laughs) once a birdhouse always a birdhouse (laughs) (laughs) and eventually you are led through this strange place into a great gold cage that waits at the very back of the dome that has been detached from the chain that hangs it from the roof and simply placed on the cobblestone floor at the end of a path that has been marked with bits of tree bark and sticks leading right up to it based on the based on the decorations that are hanging from the bark walls uh, looted pieces of jewelry thimbles, old coins and the like. Many different kinds of shinies. This cage, this hut, is the home of the leader of the tribe. Ava, it's been a while since you saw him and you remember him wishing you luck on your journey but expressing dismay that you would leave the tribe so early in life. You step through the You step through the gilded golden cage door and into the hut itself. And there, perched on a large wooden column running uh, lengthways across the top of the cage, you see him, the one known as the Wise Old Owl. Not quite an owl folk, not quite an Arakokra, a descendant of both peoples. But he has ruled over this tribe for a century and guided them through the path that is life. Wise old owl! Wise old owl! Shouts Emberon Cole Scuttle. The wise old owl simply looks at him, his great eyes silently taking in the scene before him. Ava's back! Shouts Emberon Cole Scuttle. And then he gestures towards your party. And she brought Chinese! <laughs> the wise old owl simply nods. He raises his right wing and he says, Very well, Emberon. Return to guard duty. I will welcome Ava back into the fold. And then, with a grand serene motion, he beckons for all of you to approach him. What do I you shall do, be... Ava? Well, I'll lead everyone over. And approach. As you I wouldn't be nervous to see this Al. No, but it's been a few <laughs> years since you've seen him. And in that time, he does not appear to have aged a bit. His 
bright, his thick brown <laughs> plumage still as vibrant as it was when you left. He looks at you each in turn, and he says, I am the wise owl, the leader of this tribe. You already know Ava, and I welcome her back into the fold. If you are her friends, then call yourselves friends of our tribe as well. He holds out his He holds out his wings and he says, Your arrival is fortuitous. Our tribe has had dire times of late. Please give me your tidings. And I'll I'll give him the breast. <laughs> you walk over to him and you reach into your cloak and you pull out the priest's head and as and, and I'll give him broken barrel's head, head I'll be like, I don't care. <laughs> you pull out both of the heads and silently offer them to him. He appears to have no visible reaction. His eyes just silently drift until they're gazing at both heads. And then you see him nod, and in a calm, serene voice he says, Ah, Ava. You said that one day you would return when the tribe needed you, and it seems you spoke the truth. You have brought back Leatherwing and slain the leader of the paladins who trouble us so. Please, place their heads on the altar to the great Mudmore before me. He gestures to what appears to be nothing more than a large otherwise unremarkable stone slab beneath him. I'll do that. <laughs> after the heads are the heads. <laughs> after the heads are placed, his gaze lingers on them for a few moments, and he says And now in accordance with the rites of the great Mudmore, we shall consign what is left of Father Leatherwing to the great beyond and find him a successor. He looks at you each in turn. He says, I must ask, did Broken Barrel die well? Did that bloody? <laughs> and uh, surrounded died by... Well. Constricted uh, by snakes. Yeah. Um... Define well. <laughs> he just smiles and says, I appreciate that her death was one befitting her crimes. Wow. He gaze then lingers on Ava and says, Ava, you know the terms of the Great Mudmore, do you not? I would not be surprised if they have if you have forgotten, after all, you have been gone for quite some time and memories fade. But Ava, I would like you to make a nature check, please. That is... Uh, where is my nature? My nature is plus six. 18 plus six? 18 plus six. Yeah, that'll pass. 
You think <laughs> and you recall to before you left and you remember the rights of the great Mudmore, the sentient giant crocodile that grants divine visions to your tribe. Always through the medium of one oracle. There can only be one oracle at a time. And when the existing oracle dies, it is his job to depict a successor. The great, the wise owl frowns and says, Unfortunately, Father Leatherwing did not have time to declare a successor before he was captured by the Metal Sabatons. And so we must fall back to the contingencies of the great Mudmore. He beckons for you to continue, Ava. And you recite the rest of the contingency yourself to the party. That in the event that the existing oracle was not able to name a successor to his post before he died, that simply the last member of the tribe to feel his touch would be designated his successor. The wise owl opens his wings and holds them out to holds them out to you, Ava, as if in a gesture of deference. And he says oh. And he says And by virtue of bringing his head back into the fold, I believe you were the last to feel his touch, were you not, Ava? Oh shit. Oh boy. <laughs> Yay, go Ava. I guess so. He says the precepts declare that henceforth you become the oracle of the great Mudmore. Of course, you do not have to accept. Can I appoint someone else? He because says, that would mean I would have to stay, wouldn't it? He smiles and he says, if there is more adventure in your life, the duties of your post may remain. And you may, dep- and you may appoint someone to be the oracle in your absence, an oracle in absentia. However, by accepting the role, you will still forge the mind link between yourself and the great Mudmore, and receive his visions and guidances wherever you are on your travels. Maybe. Maybe I should. He says, It is a great honour to the tribe, and considering the services you have done for us, I could think of none more befitting than you. It's it's an honour. <laughs> he says, And so you accept. He says, Very well. Come. Follow me. Bring your entourage with you. We shall consign Father Leatherwing to his eternal rest and forge your fate as the next oracle. And then with one with one swift motion, he folds his wings together, leaps off his perch, and begins walking towards a curtain-covered archway at the back of his hut. I shall follow. 
<laughs> as boy. he parts the curtain oh, and turns boy. his head to face you and he turns his head to face you and he says don't forget to bring father leatherwing of course <laughs> and as you follow him passing the stone slab you lift up father feather father leatherwing's head carry it out with you on the other side of the archway you emerge on a balcony, the back of the royal aviary, the side of the royal aviary, facing the, uh, facing a large patch of water below, a rectangular pool of murky swamp water, almost taken over by lily pads and other swamp plants. Bobbit, you recognise it as what was once the royal baths. Uh. I want to smile, but I'm not saying a word. I don't want to ruin this moment. <laughs> <laughs> the water below is still. There is no sign of life other than the plants that quiver and ripple in the water's surface. The wise owl raises his wings and he shouts, Great Mudmore! It is time to pass... The role of Oracle to another. And so we ask, please grant us the right to gaze upon your face. He reaches his left wing into a small wooden bowl and retrieves what you quickly see is a dried fish. Then hurls it off the balcony into the water where it lands with a splash. You notice... Waves begin to ripple across the surface of the water. And then you see movement, something large moving beneath the surface. There is a loud splash as the jaws of a great giant crocodile snap at the dried fish, swallowing it in one gulp. And then the crocodile lingers there, its head its head sitting just above the surface, watching all of you on the balcony with its tiny brown eyes. Although you cannot see the full width of its body, you can see that the shadow beneath it is at least the length of five humans standing end to end, and the head itself is large enough that its jaws would be able to easily swallow any of you in a single gulp. It's a big boy. I'd like to wave at Mr. Mudmore. <laughs> <laughs> you wave at the Mudmore and he simply watches. Simply, simply stares at you. The wise owl turns to you and he says, This is the great Mudmore. Our link to the god Uptal, who provides our tribe with divine guidance. And now, Ava, Father Leatherwing's head, if you please. He holds out an empty wing. I shall pass the head. The wise owl holds the head in the air above him and says, Oh, great Mudmore, your oracle's life? has come to an end, and the powers you granted upon him are returned to you. 
And then, perhaps to the horror of everyone watching, he hurls the head down into the pool of water. Yeah, I would say that Avery is neutral expecting it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just kind of watching on it with, with curiosity. As it falls, the crocodile shifts slightly in the pool, sending ripples across the surface. And then, in one motion, he opens his jaws and clamps them down upon the head, crunching it to bits under his teeth. The owl watches silently until the mudmore is finished chewing his snack. And then he turns to Ava and he says, A feather, if you please. I shall give him a feather. Pluck one of your feathers. Where do you take it from? My head? Yeah, you can take a head feather if you like. You reach for no. one of your... You reach... I, was, I, don't, I don't want to be disrespectful, so I'll take you it from it. my head. You reach up and you take <laughs> one of the... Uh, take one of the feathers from the front of your eagle plume and hand it I was going to take a butt one, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're being respectful. <laughs> he snatches it from you. And then he says, And now, Great Mudmore, another who would seek your guidance that serve as Uptal's messenger between yourself and our humble tribe. And he throws the feather down. It slowly makes its way down into the pool where it lands on the surface and just floats. The crocodile shifts on the spot and then opens his mouth and you see the tip of his tongue just poke out, snatching up the feather and pulling it into his maw. Then, the he, then, as if possessed by a great magical energy, his entire body snaps, bolt upright, and he submerges from the water, his seemingly standing on his hind legs. He rises up, until his full height towers over the balcony, towers over you all. And you see his great maw twisted to the shape of a smile as his tiny brown eyes gaze upon Ava. Ava, I would like you to please make a nature check to bond with the great mud maw. <laughs> okay. Uh, that is a 7 plus 6. Uh, you feel... 13. 13? <laughs> you look, oh, great. You look back into his eyes, and for a few moments, there's nothing but silence. Nothing happens. But then you feel something rushing through your body. Your insides churn. And suddenly, a vision forces its way into your mind a vision of a terrible terrible black creature its appendages and face not fully formed looking for all the world to be nothing more than a great black evil fetus roiling in the middle of a void 
It looks at you with its ill-formed face. Its half-grown eyes stare right into your soul, and then a voice whispers, A new god is... A new god is on the precipice of birth, feeding upon the force of life to sustain it. If it is born, the world is doomed, for this god is a servant of the great Acherach. And with that, the vision is over. You are standing once again on the balcony with everyone else, and the great Mudmore is already lowering himself back into the water without looking at you again until all that remains are a few bubbles on the surface of the pool. Um, I'm guessing Ava is going to panic a little bit. Well, yeah, what will Ava do? Panic. Panic. Sorry, Bobbit, you'll have to say oh. that again. Unlike that. You'll have to say that again, M2, I'm sorry. Just sort of like stares off in the space going, who's it? Yeah, I know, and connection is, is flatlining, just a casual flat line from Bob. Visions can be fun like that. Yes, visions. <laughs> <laughs> Ava, do you explain to the rest of the party what you just saw? Did I Well, I guess so. Uh, yeah. Alright. I would like... And, uh, and the owl. And the owl. Yep, everyone present. I would like everyone who is not Ava to please make an arcana check. Twenty-six. Hmm. Zinhorn and... Unnatural oh. 20. Unnatural 20. Is, uh, uh, dirty 20. Dirty 20. Suddenly, she speaks the name in her vision, and all of you who've done any length, any considerable amount of study into magic recognise it. Bobbit, you hear Mr. Stick's voice echoing in your mind. Aserak! Oh, how I loathe that name. Aserak, also known as the Great Demi-Lich. Legend says he travels between the plains from world to world, constructing great and terrible death traps to hold his phylacteries and his treasure and the products of his dark experiments. If there was anyone who could have created the Soulmonger, it would be Aserak. Mr. Stick... Mr. Stick just fumes with seeming anger in your mind, Bobbit. As he whispers, yes, yes, Aserak and the Soulmonger. But why? 
Why does he need to siphon the souls of the living? Mm. Good questions. Make his Horcruxes. <laughs> well, he's a lich. He needs to feed, and if he's yeah, so yeah, powerful, maybe yeah. he needs to feed on multiples yes. to make up one. Mm. He is a lich that mm. is apparently so powerful that his name is known and feared across the multiverse, and almost anyone who has spent any significant amount of time educating themselves in the ways of arcane magic will have read of his name. Up until this point, you thought he was nothing more than a legend, but if the great Mudmore's claims of divinity are true, then perhaps Asarak exists. And he is the true harbinger behind the Death Plague. We're in trouble. The wise... <laughs> We're in danger. The wise <laughs> owl looks at yeah. you all, and he smiles, and he says, I see that the Mudmore has already granted you with divine guidance, young Ava. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Regretting decisions. <laughs> he says, however, I can tell by the look on your face that perhaps the Mudmore's vision has raised, has given you only more questions than answers. Finally, someone else gets it. <laughs> <laughs> He says, Ava needs a map. <laughs> and so, as the Mudmore Oracle, Ava, I grant you permission to enter the Temple of Uptal and seek answers in the great library of Mesro. Thank you greatly. He says, there is a secret passage that travels under the city streets and emerges within the temple itself. A secret passage known only to myself and the oracle. And I will pass it to you now. The wise old owl looks you in the eyes, Ava. And once again you feel your insides squirm. And there's a flash of vision. A house in the residential quarter. A house that seems too immaculate to be to be in Mesro. Perfectly maintained, even when the city around it is completely abandoned. A certain brick in the wall that must be pushed in a certain place, a certain way. A secret tunnel that leads directly into the temple of Uptow, and now you know exactly how to access it. Awesome. Ava <laughs> <laughs> hey, would be much more excited about this if it had not been for the lovely impending message of doom and death. The old owl sighs when he says, Hmm, the day is getting late. As much as I would like to welcome you all to spend the night here amongst Ava's people. 
I feel that with the urgency of the Mudmore's vision that you must leave immediately. Find answers before any more time is wasted. And so, as the leader of this tribe, I will personally ask of you do me this favor. Leave. Take the secret passage and plumb the mysteries that await in the library of Mesro. He then notices Bowl bitching to say something and holds out his wings and says, But of course, before you leave, I would be willing to entertain questions. Hey. Anything? Oh. Yep, oh. there we go. Now we can hear you. Oh, wait. What's going on with What's Remy? That oh, there we go. There we go. Now you there you go. What would you like to say to him, Bulb? I never said anything. Oh, I thought that was you hmm? uh, wanting no, to ask him something. No, yeah. it was me. I was trying ah, to see yep. if... Um, well, I'm happy to ask a question. It's only a simple one yep. from Bobber. Just the... How long have you been here? He looks at you. And he says, I think you know the answer. He looks you in the eyes. Please make an intelligence check. Oh, uh, boy. That is my third nat 20 of the day. <laughs> another memory another memory wells up into your mind and there you see it you standing in the royal aviary gazing upon the great gold cage that hangs at the very back of the dome inside it a large brown barn owl looks down at you the vision ends and you were back Bob on the balcony, tears. staring at the wise old owl. Bobbit has tears in her eyes at actually seeing something from her past in front of her. He looks at you and he simply says, Welcome back, Lady Alessander. I want to hug the owl. Now you fear, you, you rush forwards and you wrap your hands around his plumage and embrace him in a hug. He silently waits. <laughs> he silently waits. The hug seems to last an eternity until you extract yourself. The wise old owl looks at you and he says, Welcome home. And now you could feel duty calling, can you not, Alessander? You know where you must be. Mm-hmm. I do indeed. I'm just so happy to see something from my memories that doesn't... It, it means it's real. This is actually real. I know that this is... This is a... This is the... This is the thing. This is... Yay. The old owl is silent for a moment. And then he smiles once again. He gestures towards the archway leading back into the aviary itself. And then he says, Feel free to... Spend a few hours resting for what waits ahead. And then... The mysteries and dangers of the Temple of Uptal await you. And with that, he turns and silently walks away, leaving you all on the balcony, overlooking the Mudmore's pool. That is where we will end it this week. Uh, that was great.
because I feel that was... I was going to at least let you get into the dungeon, but I feel with M2's power going out that... I'm sorry. Because, you know, we're going to need... I will just preview the dungeon for you, though. Oh, well... Because everyone on stream, apparently. Yeah, everyone on stream. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is what we'll be going through next week. So um, you may have a short rest, not a long rest. Short rest, yeah. Because yep. you won't be staying overnight in the Royal Aviary because that warning from the Mud War seems pretty dire. And as a That's result, the Death Curse will enter its next stage. And from, yeah. and from next week, Sir Lucian will receive minus 10 on his max HP. Yeah. And he will only be able to... And he will only be able to heal half HP from a hit dice when having a short rest. Yeah. He is in a world of shit. <laughs> And so I hope you enjoyed that episode. I did. Make sure you join us next week for the third and probably final part of the Mysteries of Mesro arc, where our heroes will enter the Temple of Obtau, move through the dungeon, hopefully survive all its dangers, and find something in the Great Library that will hopefully point them towards the soulmonger and give them something that may help them against their newly revealed foe Asarak, mm. the great Demi Lich yeah, You know it's a good day when even my patron yeah, is nervous is, about this fucker yep. <laughs> The great Demi Lich who strikes fear into the hearts of many across the multiverse and before we go, I'll just leave some D&D trivia. As those of you who are into D&D or D&D lore or just have played for a long time will relish, um, relish this little tidbit of info that Asarak is the creator of the Tomb of Horrors in lore. Oh. So, you should know what you're up against. <laughs> Yeah. He's basically the in-game personification of Gary Gygax. <laughs> oh, that's going to be well. I'm an oracle. Yes. <laughs> and you will continue to receive uh, divine visions from the Mudmore for the rest of the campaign. Yeah. That will subtly, subtly guide you. <laughs> and that sure be fuck will be even more horrific than the last. <laughs> if you can make sense of them, they will offer you guidance and knowledge and perhaps forewarn you of threats to come. But with that, I'd like to thank everyone who joined us today for our first uh, Twitch exclusive stream. Um, we are Twitch affiliates now, so um, thank you for joining us on our new channel. This will, of course, be uploaded later to YouTube. Um, so if you're on YouTube, you won't miss out. You just didn't get to see it live. And until next time, who'd like to take the outro? I don't. I... Well, I got, I got one. Go ahead. If your, if your power goes out for any reason mid session, always make sure to have backups of everything, just yeah, to be safe. Just in case. <laughs>
<laughs> but thank you again, and goodbye, everyone. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.